um, asking for a friend, actually asking for uh, multiple friends here. Parker, is January too early to start freaking out about a 2024 prospect? January a little bit too soon? Let's consider what was happening last January. Everybody was freaking out about the fact that Texas Tech was demonstrably out-recruiting Oklahoma. The number two class, I think, probably Uh a year ago, right? Uh Uh-huh. How did that turn out? Remind me. Uh, I mean, they had a good class, but they did not. Spoiler alert. They did not end up as the number two recruiting class. I'm just asking because I feel like um, we are not in David Hicks territory. We're really not close to David Hicks territory, but already with David Stone in January, we are trending towards David Hicks territory with OU fans in this recruitment. It's like any prediction that's put in or any visit that he takes, it's like, oh, God, no! See, I'm not going to get my hopes up about this one, too, just like I did with David Hicks. No, I'm just going to give up on him. It's, it's calm down. It's all good. It, no sense in panicking about a recruit in the month of January. No, there is not. And look, I I just want to I want to bookmark this now so we can come back to this statement time and time and time again when people are inevitably freaking out about David Stone in February and in March and in April and every, every single month until he commits. There are no guarantees as far as five stars are concerned. I am not guaranteeing you, nor should anyone, that he is going to be in Oklahoma sooner. But as of right now, my opinion, and I know the opinions of most in the OU circle, remain pretty unchanged as it pertains to David Stone's future. The belief is that he will be in Oklahoma sooner, regardless of what visits he takes or doesn't take, regardless of what pictures he posts or doesn't post, regardless of what he tweets or doesn't tweet. So, is it a concern that he is not showing up to OU's Junior Day this weekend? From where I stand, no, not really. He's at Oklahoma a lot, and he's been at Oklahoma a lot. I am unworried for now. You know why I'm not worried? Um, The way I see it right now, OU has two ace recruiters on the David Stone, um, on the, on the David Stone uh, recruitment. Yes, one. Yes. It, I'm not talking about top eights. One, we know Ronnie Crimson. Third consecutive day, we got a Ronnie Crimson reference in there. All right, we know that he's tweeting at him every single day. Two, <laughs> Gerald McCoy is on the case, guys. Gerald McCoy has taken over this recruitment via Twitter. Gerald McCoy did not get the memo. Don't tweet at Crutes. No, he's tweeting at Crutes, and he's tweeting at David Stone every opportunity that he gets. And I love what he sent David Stone last night. The graphic of the uh, comparison between OU and Michigan State as programs. It was quite fascinating. And as you can imagine, yes, when it comes to all-time record, national championships, conference championships, bowl games, All-Americans, Heisman winner, like really anything you measure, you use to measure a great program, um, OU is a, you know, far better off than Michigan State as a program. So I don't know if that resonates with David Stone or not, but it's probably resonating that Gerald McCoy is basically tweeting at him as much as he can, saying, yo, dude, hey, 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 this is the place you need to be, man. Some listener in the 918 says, don't pay attention to recruiting till June, people. In general, I disagree with that, but I will say there are some of you that need to not pay attention to recruiting (laughs) until June. Seriously. There are some of you that it would be better off if you just didn't interact on the Air Comfort Solutions text line regarding recruiting until June because the fact that we're answering freak-out questions every single day, 11 months before the end of the recruiting cycle, 
is a, it's a little much sometimes. 405 says, don't have Twitter. Did Stone ever reply to Gerald McCoy's tweet, retweet, or like it? I don't know. I was too busy stuck on Michigan State having six national championships. That was the part that threw yeah, me off. I'm like, like, what? I was like, what? What? When? I, I don't remember a Michigan State title in my lifetime, and I've got a very good history of their program and college football in general. I looked it up today, Parker. They claimed the 1951, the 1952, the 1955, the 1957, and the 1965 and 66 national championships. Now, there's like three different teams that claim the 1950 national championship. Tennessee's won, Kentucky's won, Oklahoma's obviously won. I'm going to guess Michigan State claims some of those titles that about two or three other programs claim as well. I'm reading the Wikipedia page right now, and I'm in the, uh, I'm in the championships section. So, I, this, this is a direct quote. Michigan State has won six national championships from NCAA-designated major selectors, including two from the major wire service AP poll and or coaches poll in 1952 and 1965. So those are the only titles with any okay. semblance of So they have two national championships. They're pulling a Bama here and trying to claim about four yes. more titles than they actually deserve. So they Man. actually were voted both the AP and the coaches poll national champions in 52. 1965, they were voted number one in the coaches poll, but not the AP okay. poll after losing the Rose Bowl. I thought that some now, of those were like, yeah, yeah. surely 1951, not. they finished number two in both polls. 1955, they finished number two in both polls. In 1957, they finished number three in both polls. And in 1966, they finished number two in both polls. Uh, text line says, do they really claim 1955 while Oklahoma was in the middle of a 47-game winning streak? <laughs> Apparently so. But even if they claim all those, they still don't have as many national titles as, uh, as OU does. So, so maybe that resonated with David Stone. I just like Gerald McCoy um, taking it upon himself to try to land a five-star defensive lineman. And Gerald McCoy would rank pretty high for me, Parker, on former OU athletes that you would want on Twitter, you know, trying to sell some recruits. I don't know who else would be at the top of the list. If it was Billy Sims, you know those tweets would be in all caps, you know? Like, you could just hear the boomer real loud if uh, Billy Sims was trying to tweet it, running backs any chance that he gets. But Gerald McCoy with the following that he has, how recent he uh, his success is in the NFL, that's, that's, that's not bad, man. That's not a bad little, uh, it's not a, a bad thing to have in your back pocket. I'm just wondering if he's doing this all by himself or if he was asked nicely by Britt Venables to, you know, maybe help out with this kid. Yeah, what do you think? Well, hopefully it all fares better than Trent Williams' recruitment of Peyton Kirkland. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I saw Peyton Kirkland. I, I kind of forgot Peyton Kirkland existed for a while there. But I saw him at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. That is a, that is a large human being and not in a good way. Yeah. I think that's the type of player where two, three years down the road, Oklahoma fans are going to be like, yeah, we're probably okay with the fact that we didn't get him. Yeah, um, he, he had decision day last year, and like Texas wasn't thought to be a player, but he ends up picking Texas in the end maybe is, is how I remember that working out. Yeah. Because well, nobody else would take him. Right, yeah. OU wouldn't take him. Michigan State wouldn't take him. Miami, Florida, they wouldn't take him. Alabama certainly wouldn't take him. So of his top five, he was a take at none of them. 
And so he was like, okay, where can I go that will actually take me? And it was Texas. Uh, 806 says, the only two times I made sure I watched the recruits pick up a hat was uh, DJ Hicks and Peyton Bowen, so I'm out, LOL. Um, yeah, so we, we mentioned the um, – not everyone's freaking out, but there's some concern like, whoa, Chad Simmons of on three uh, picking David Stone to Michigan State. Th- I'm, I'm going to guess that this is going to be a thing for a while. You're, you're going to be battling the, the Michigan State hype on that. Maybe A&M gets in on it, but just just hold on. Just just hold on. He may, Maybe he even commits to Michigan State at some point, but you guys know how long of a ride this is until National Signing Day. Just Just buckle in. This one could get a little bumpy on the way. David we'll Stone is not the first, nor will he be the last prospect that starts to pick up a lot of Michigan State hype. However, I think one common denominator that you will begin to notice is that a lot of those Michigan State crystal balls go in, and then nothing happens, and nothing happens, and still nothing happens, and we're all just sitting on our hands waiting for something to happen. And then finally, the crystal balls start to flip, and the kid goes somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, text line, I just think it's a little concerning to the fan base because we think we know his parents aren't too high on staying in the state of Oklahoma. Any concern for you on that one? That's from the 405. No, not particularly. His sister goes to Oklahoma. So there are familial connections to OU. And in fact, there was one instance, I, b- I believe it was the Champion Barbecue over the summer, where David Stone was not on campus for that visit, but his parents were. His parents we're on a visit without him to the University of Oklahoma. So, when you're talking about priorities for Oklahoma in this recruiting class, David Stone is priority 1A. And uh, there are other guys that are high on the wish list for Oklahoma. Yeah. Michael Hawkins, Bryant Wesco, Williams Winery, what have you. David Stone is priority 1A. It helps that GK is an extra recruiter and subtweeting David Stone constantly, says a texter from the 402. Yes. Chapstick says, good Lord, people, settle down. These are 16- and 17-year-old kids. They can't decide whose house they're stealing all the parents' food from, much less where they should commit and change their lives forever. Yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a ride here, so just just buckle in. Do you think he's number one at the top of everyone's uh, Cruton wish list? For the class of 2024, I know that everyone's still like learning the names for this year's class. We're still kind of, you know, in 2023 that cycle. I would guess that most of the text line would say yes. As of right now, David Stone's number one on the wish list. Five star defensive lineman. You've been waiting on one of those for a while. Yeah, I would say that outside of David Stone, the guy's highest on the wish list for Oklahoma. Well, right, right now, if you're talking about immediacy in the near future guys that you're trying to actively close on Michael Hawkins right but as I said I think in an overall sense David Stone is priority 1a Oklahoma's going to push very hard for Williams Winery especially with the connection to Lee Summit North with Caden Green now on campus at OU and we'll see where things go as we know Recruiting over the course of a cycle is very fluid. So priorities today might not reflect priorities in April or July or October, November, right? What what are the some what are some of the names we were talking about at this point last year? Richard Young, mm, mm. which that's, was, which that's was a never memory. happening. Dylan Edwards, distant memory. Uh huh. There was the Dylan Edwards stuff. Uh, Peyton Kirkland is another great example. Wilkin Formby. You remember that? I do. I do remember some of those names. Did he end up at Alabama? He did. Is that, is that where he ended up? 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it recruiting changes uh, pretty significantly over uh, twelve months for sure. By the way, uh, I got to give up to Steely. You know, yesterday the uh, the text line we coined uh, Brian Nardo, the new defensive coordinator at OSU, Nard Dog. That's uh-huh. what he's na- uh, that's what he's going to be called from here on out. As he should. I love what Steely did with Walker White, the twenty twenty four quarterback offer. It's very it's a very timely nickname for me. Because we are on the final season of Breaking Bad at our house. Um, calling Walker White Heisenberg as his new nickname <laughs> is fantastic. And that's, that's definitely going to stick on this show. So if you ever hear us say, hey, where's Heisenberg? Heisenberg was at Baylor last weekend. Where, where, where's OU's interest right now with Heisenberg? What's that look like? We're talking about Walker White, 2024 quarterback. I like that one quite a bit. 405-651-3439. Steely was on one today. I know he's taking some painkillers. I wonder if that contributed to uh, you know the show today. I don't know. He was really, really good. Not that he's not always really good, but he threw a perfect game today, I feel like. At least a no-hitter. 405-651-3439. More to come right here on The Ref. <laughs> yeah. This is it. This is our song this year. Every time someone's uh, freaking out about a recruit, we're coming back from break or even starting the show with this. Every time a recruit commits to somewhere other than Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Uh, no nickname beats JFA. On, that's on the text line from the 91A. Yeah, it's simple and to the point. And honestly, he's a good enough player that he's, he's earned that. Yes, I know he's got some things to do at this level of football, college football, but for what he accomplished at the uh, prep circuit, yeah, he he deserves the JFA nickname. Very that, much deserved. If that sticks, if that's still his nickname two, three years down the road when he's the starting quarterback and a dang good one at the University of Oklahoma, uh, I'm putting that on my resume. Yeah, you came up it's with one that of my, one. One of my favorite things that I can legitimately lay claim to right there. The, uh, the last college football player I can remember that had that nickname was Johnny Manziel. And I remember reading a story that the Johnny Manziel's sister had to talk his parents out of getting J. Uh, it would be JFM uh, on their license plates, personalized license plates that said that. Sister had to be like, "Yeah, mom, dad, that's not a very wasn't good it, idea." It, it was it was Johnny F in football though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. JFF is what it was. Yeah. <laughs> so she had to like talk him out of like, "Yeah, that's probably not the the greatest idea." Uh, is Porter's job in jeopardy? That's oh, on the four hundred five. Why, why, why are we? Why are we doing this? Uh, I don't know. Um, now, okay, with Josie, I don't think that it is. You no, may not it, like that answer. I'm guessing if you're asking that answer, you are wanting me or us to say yes. But I, I'm just what I think where Josie's at right now. I, I don't think his job is in jeopardy as of today. No, and to be honest, I, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. some people won't like to hear it. If your expectations were that Oklahoma was going to be a surefire tournament team this season, your expectations were too high. Yeah, and look, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have questions about the program. I'm not, I'm not even saying that you can't be critical. Of course you can be critical. Last night was embarrassing. I mean, it was really, really embarrassing. But the question was, do I think Porter's job's in jeopardy? And as of right now, with Joe, with Joe Castiglione, no, I don't. I, I don't think that his job is in jeopardy. What's a... Back to recruiting. What's in the water? What's in the water over there at Washington uh, High School? What, what's going on over there? 
Cooper Alexander just recently got a Colorado offer. Power five offers are rolling in for for him. Nate Roberts gets a Georgia offer yeah, earlier tight today. Yeah, you right there. Dude, they just won a state championship, and I'm going to guess they're probably pretty poised to, to repeat as champs next yeah, year. You got, some, you got some strong genetics over there with the Roberts family and, of course, Cooper being former NFL tight end Stephen Alexander's son. Stephen was a Sooner in the 90s, yep. as many will recall. One-time but, Pro Bowler. I'd like to throw that in. Oh, did he really make a Pro Bowl? He made a Pro Bowl uh, when he was in Washington, yes. How about that? My first ever jersey was a uh, Washington Stephen Alexander jersey. No way. Well, he's, uh, his, his uh, parents are family friends of when ours. When you say so. a Washington Stephen Alexander jersey, you mean a Washington, Oklahoma Stephen Alexander jersey? <laughs> no. <or? laughs> no. I do not mean a Washington, Oklahoma. No. Big number 80. Um, yeah, Washington's got a couple of tight ends that are going to play uh, D1 football somewhere at the Power 5 level. Uh, still feel good on – I mean, Nate Roberts is a 2025 kid. I mean, where does OU sit with that one, even though it's pretty distant? Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest. Nate Roberts is a guy – and if the Georgia offer doesn't show this to you and prove this to you, Nate Roberts is a guy that's going to have his pick of the litter. He's going to be able to go anywhere he wants to go. I mean, just now. Um, I mean, he just finished his sophomore year. Yeah. I mean, and he's getting a Georgia offer. OU – how do I put this delicately? They kind of messed up in recruiting his brother when he was in the transfer portal. Yeah, this this past month, Jake, who was uh, in the portal from North Texas, ended Is up that going correct? to Baylor. Yes, ended up going to Baylor. Had an OU offer. OU pretty much offered him and then left him on red from there on out. So I don't know if that's going to come into play. Uh, I know Nate obviously grew up a Sooner fan, so that's something. But when you have the opportunity to go pretty much anywhere in the country and the program close to home that you grew up rooting for probably didn't do right by your brother, all things considered, it, I I don't think it's a slam dunk. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you still have plenty of time to, you know, make up for that if that was a big deal. I mean, he, he's just now going into his junior year, so I definitely think, oh, you will have a puncher's chance at that, but... We've seen, and we saw it this past year, how Georgia uses its tight ends. It's not just the Georgia offer. It's an offer to play tight end at Georgia, which that was like the, the focal point of their passing game, really. I mean, I, Brock Bowers had a great year this year. Did he have the most receiving yards on their team this year? I would guess that he probably did. I don't know yes, that for I sure. Think so. He was like target number one for them in the passing yeah. game. So that's a big and- time off. Like, if you're a tight end – and you're looking for, like, the who's who of offers. Like, Georgia is very, very high on the list. They got it going on right now, and they use their tight ends And they're lot. about to sign three of the top ten tight ends in the 2023 class in Pierce Sperlin, Lawson Lucky, and Deuce Robinson. So they're just like, hey, you know what? If, it, if nobody else wants to use the tight end, we'll load up on them. Because as Georgia has proven over the last two seasons in particular – if you can find a genetic alien like Brock Bowers and just force feed him the ball, works out that's well. going to be a recipe for success more often than yeah, not. Yeah, it normally works out pretty well. Uh, Taylor Heim is going to be in this weekend. Parker uh, dropped his balls recently. Was it last night or earlier this uh, morning? It was, I believe, while we were on the air yesterday. Oh, not well, you didn't even tell me? That you, no, I did. That I wanted that to be bulletin board material uh, for today. Okay, so. well, good deal. Taylor Heim uh, going to be in this weekend. Parker's got a crystal ball. Uh, to OU, linebacker out of Bethany, three-star, 6'3", 190. Got an Air Force offer, a, a Louisiana Tech, Tulsa, Navy. Parker, South Dakota State. Hey, uh, team there we offered go. Him Jack's up, baby. Number 11 player in the state of Oklahoma, according to 24-7. And look, I, if you look at the offer list, 
And now that OU's offered, you would think that, yeah, OU's going to trend pretty pretty nicely for this. I wouldn't be shocked if we hear about a commitment this weekend. I just wouldn't, me. And I wouldn't be shocked if – well, I, no, I, I'll say this. I will be shocked if he's not a Sooner on, on the other <laughs> side of this official visit that he's going to take to Oklahoma. Um, Which, by the way, I tried to insert him into the class calculator to see, you know, what it would do, and it doesn't. It do didn't do anything because he doesn't have a composite. Yeah, ranking yet. right. I was like, dang, okay. I was, I, I thought it. I thought the calculator was broken for about three minutes. <laughs> I'm like refreshing and reloading it and resetting and all this, and then I figured out, oh, okay, yeah, he doesn't have a composite ranking. He's not moving anything right now. Kendall is once again on the text line to try and pile on He's about Oklahoma's. Inability to recruit in state. He says, Boy, OU sure knows how to muddy the waters with elite OK Preps talent. Can't get out of their own way. Hmm. This is pretty much Kendall's brand as of late. Yeah. Isn't it? He just waits, he becomes sits back till we talk about Oklahoma kids that they're going to or not get them, and then bam, he pounces. Uh, somebody said, I bet you Porter would go to Notre Dame if offered. He knows that part of the country well. The question becomes, would you trade Porter Moser? For Peyton Pierce, um, <laughs> I I wouldn't, but I think that there's some <laughs> that are listening to the show right now that would say, yeah, "Next question," but I I I would not. I think uh, Jeff Goodman reported that uh, Porter has like a nine million dollar buyout currently. It's so, a large, large. Yeah, buyout. I think it drops to like six million maybe at the end of April, something like that. But still, it's going to be a pretty large buyout to uh, to get him out of Norman. Uh, elsewhere on the text line here, imagine if OU doesn't land Nate Roberts and you go through the list of tight ends who have left the state. Both the Roberts boys, Luke has, Charlie Kohler, George Kittle, etc. Yeah, look, I, that's a fair point. Now, there are a lot of those guys where you know not a whole lot of people were recruiting them. Like, George Kittle was playing wide receiver at Norman High, and he got the last scholarship offer for Iowa that year. So, yeah, nice job by Iowa, but it's not like he was at the forefront of their recruiting efforts. He was like a very late ad and got the last scholarship they had for that class. So I, and, I, I understand the point, but I'm, looking to, I'm willing to overlook some of those. Yeah, and I, look, my first job, well, one of my first jobs, my first paid job in sports media was working in, on the production end of Iowa football radio broadcasts. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting in a control room for like every single one of Iowa's football games in 2015 and 2016, which is when George Kittle was there at Iowa. George Kittle wasn't all that impressive in college. Nobody would have foreseen him being the phenom that he is at the NFL level, even during his collegiate days. Uh, Somebody else said, when will Davis Bevel be in the portal? The man has no shame. Listen, I, I understand people do not like Davis Bevel. Can we just all reconcile with the fact that he is going to be on the roster for one more year, that he came to Oklahoma knowing he was going to be the backup, and that he's just been a team-oriented guy ever since he stepped on campus, even if he hasn't been all that good on the football. You're not going to have to watch him next year. You will not. You will not have to watch him next year. Um, Unless Dylan Gabriel suffers another concussion, unless he gets speared by Jamoy Hodge again and Jackson Arnold gets hit by a meteor, you're not going to see Davis Bell. And even then, you might not see him. 405, guys, you're smart enough to realize that OU has screwed up in-state elite recruiting. Uh, Look, I... 
I think that they can do a better job moving forward of landing some more of these elite talent in state. Yes, um, I, I think that they can do a better job. I, I think that they're trying to do that as well. Like we're we're seeing a lot of uh, preferred walk-ons, you know, joint like couple from Bigsby, right? And, and you're wanting to you know really try to get in that nine one eight area consistently. You don't want to necessarily offer those kids a scholarship. But you want them a part of your program. You're trying to, you know, strengthen those ties in that state. I, I agree. I, I am seeing a little bit of effort. But sure, like moving forward, they they could stand to do a little bit of a better job in state. Absolutely, they could, especially yeah, in the Tulsa area. Let's get more than one year down the road with a new coaching staff before we conclude. OU has screwed up in in-state recruiting. Again, did they get as many guys out of the state of Oklahoma in 2023 as you'd like? Maybe not. But, again, we've talked about it for a year now. 2023 was just a weird cycle when it came to in-state kids. You didn't have a whole lot of guys that were sooner born and sooner bred the way that you have most years within the state. Um, this, this is a phenomenal text from 5889. Probably fair to ask how many of the fans that want to send Porter Moser down the road have actually watched an entire men's hoops game this year. Uh, last night was tough to watch, but I made it through uh, most of it. But after that 11-0 start, you kind of had the feeling of uh, the direction that that one was going to go. Plus, like, not only was it hard to watch that game last night, it's really hard to continue to watch that game when you have to stare at TCU's floor all night long. It literally looks like a YMCA floor uh, that a bunch of kids are playing uh, on on Saturdays. That's a wa- Watching a TCU game is a tough watch. That, that, that's got to be the worst floor in all of college basketball, in my that, opinion. Or, Oregon would like a word. Oregon would like a word. They, they still had the uh, – the, there's this darker, right? Yeah, it's the weird – And like, TCU's is, like, way lighter. I don't, it, just, it just looks weird, all of it. I think uh, Travis Davidson, I think Grill Boy is going to join us next. Come like on. Like he does uh, on Wednesdays at 2.35. We'll catch up with him on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. You'll have to excuse me, Ref Army. I apologize. I forgot to mention uh, all the great places you're listening today via the free Ref app. Just search KREF in the App Store. Porterville, California, Shirts, Texas, Akron, Ohio, Sesser, Illinois, New Orleans, Louisiana, Portland, Maine, small Oklahoma town of the day, Tuttle, Oklahoma. I hear a uh, pretty good uh, former OU player uh, hails from Tuttle, Oklahoma. That is the word. Maybe you can see that story on the uh, water tower that's out there. I don't know. Travis Davidson joins us. Uh, What's going on, man? It is preferred walk-on season, Travis. I don't hate it, but it seems like I learn of a new uh, preferred walk-on about two times per day now. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot to keep up with. There's no doubt about that. But I do like that uh, we've got a couple Bixby Spartans. Uh, headed down to Norman, I think that's uh, I think that's good for not only in-state recruiting, but specifically 918 recruiting. Bixby, um, you know, state champions in in the largest uh, division this year, and it doesn't look like Montgomery is going to be slowing down out there. Who who would you guys say? Um, I, I know we don't know like an extensive history on a, on some of these preferred walk-ons. Like, oh, you got a kid today, Eli Merck, a wide receiver from the state of South Carolina. Know nothing about him. Is Kale Fugates maybe the preferred walk-on to be excited about the most, or would it be someone else, Parker? Mm, that's a great question. Thank I you. I would say, yeah, well, because it's it's splitting hairs between a lot of these guys because OU's cleaning house with a lot of the guys that 
were really productive at the high school level in the state of Oklahoma, but maybe don't have the physical traits that a lot of Power 5 programs look for when they're doling out offers. So I would honestly say I'm intrigued by Drew Bat out of Turpin, Oklahoma. At six foot eight, about two hundred and seventy-five pounds, he's got the frame to yeah. where you can see him being a big-time offensive lineman down the line. Uh, if you can bulk him up and get him strong enough to the point where, uh, if he's moving well at six foot eight, and he's also strong enough to hold his own against Big Twelve edge rushers, that's a guy that you could see him working his way into the two deep at a certain point in time. Maybe just maybe he ends up a guy like Ian McIver, who was a preferred walk-on by way of Lubbock that ended up, I don't think he ever started for Oklahoma, but saw a lot of snaps at both center and guard over several seasons. I'm going to get to this text because they want a little bit of a roundtable discussion on it. From the 405, would like to hear from all three of you on this. I guess I'm just confused as to how the defensive line recruiting got so bad at OU. We've landed solid guys at backer and in the secondary, but any ideas when and why it's been so hard to get elite talent at defensive line here for the past 10 years or so? It's not like Calvin uh, Thibodeau and Jerry Montgomery were just horrible fellas. Thanks, coaches. Uh, or, uh, thanks, fellas. <laughs> um, I, I would say this, Parker. Like, when did it start? Well, I would say that it started around maybe 2012, 2013. I think for a bit of that, the conference was working against you. And your defense was, I, I don't know if it was necessarily a hard sell, but we have to remember, like in a recruiting class year in and year out, there's probably fewer elite defensive linemen than any other position in the class, right? And when Bama's rolling, when LSU's rolling, when the entire SEC is rolling, like OU's just maybe a little bit tougher of a sell than some of those SEC programs were. So it, it's a really long answer. I'm trying to shorten it as much as possible. What, what would you say on, on why defensive line recruiting has, you know, did struggle for quite some time at, during one point? Yeah, well, I think, the, I think the operative term there is did struggle, right? Oklahoma just got P.J. Atabare. They just got Derek LeBlanc. The narrative is changing and will continue to change. And when you look at the defensive lineman that Oklahoma has the chance to land in 2024, names like David Stones, Adavian Sims, Nigel Smith, Williams Nwaneri, Jay Sean Ross, a four-star edge out of the state of Missouri that we haven't talked about a whole heck of a lot, but that is going to be on campus this week for Oklahoma's Junior Day. Um, I think to me, in well, and you also have to consider Oklahoma had Gabriel Brownlow Dindy. And the reason he didn't sign with Oklahoma was because Calvin Thibodeau left. If he doesn't leave, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy's a sooner. So I think now that you've got an ace recruiter in Todd Bates, and now that you've got a legitimate reason to be excited about the future defensively at Oklahoma and the reputation that Oklahoma carries as a defensive program is on the up and up under the direction of Brent Venables. And we've heard so many recruits talk about how much they believe in Venables as the guy that's going to turn around defense at the University of Oklahoma. I think now that you got something to be legitimately excited about, it's going to be, like you said, Tyler, an easier sell to elite yeah. defensive lineman than it ever has been over the last decade or what so. What do you think, Travis? Yeah, I think I think decade is probably a bit much. Obviously, Grinch's scheme wanted – guys smaller uh, along the defensive line so we recruited because I think when people talk about defensive line recruiting I don't think they're talking about defensive end recruiting necessarily I think they're thinking about those interior guys um, you know the reason I think a decade may be a bit much is uh, you got a guy like Neville Gallimore who actually headlined 
the 2015 class. Uh, he was a top 70 player. Um, and then, uh, you know, Marquise Overton recruited as a defensive tackle out of Jinx was uh, a top 200 player at the position. So two top 16 defensive tackles in that class. I mean, you can go back through the classes, but I think a lot of it is, you know, they just wanted smaller bodies in the middle. And to Parker's point, you have Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy if, you know, if, if, if Tibbs stays. And I think Bates, while, you know, Montgomery and Tibbs are known as good coaches, I don't, I don't think that anybody nationally is considering them on the level of what, what Todd Bates is. You know, we're, we're set up really well for 2024, uh, especially on the interior. So I think it's, I think it's a little early to um, think about this, you know, at least Todd Bates' tenure at Oklahoma. It's so early to uh, kind of judge where defensive line recruiting is because, again, the Alex Grinch style was so small. Uh, one more text. Actually, two more. Oh, no. David Stone was crystal ball to Michigan State. Can people calm down? It's legit January. LOL. And this other text says, uh, can you tell me what the allure to Michigan State is? I, I guess it's all Mel Tucker. Like Mel Tucker has been a very successful defensive line coach um, in his past. Like He was the D-line coach at Georgia when Georgia started to really get it going under Kirby Smart. He's a dynamic recruiter, and we've seen Parker that he he does a really nice job with D-linemen, or at least he has so far. He got a really good player um, in-state in Oklahoma this year, and by Job, a defensive lineman. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's probably going to be – we're going to have to see what happens this cycle, if there's going to be any credence lent to the thought that Michigan State is going to be a regular thorn in Oklahoma's side for in-state kids. But – you have to tip the cap to Michigan State in that they have been very proactive in offering basically everybody worth offering from the state of Oklahoma. One of the very few schools that's gone to such lengths to encroach upon Oklahoma's territory. They just offered Caden Knighton, the 2025 running back, out of Winniewood yesterday. So they're going the extra mile to try and establish a presence in the Sooner State. Now time will tell if they're successful, but getting by Job was certainly a step in the right direction for that program. Getting David Stone would be a watershed moment for that program. But again, I still find it hard to believe that David Stone ends up anywhere but Oklahoma. I do think Michigan State is going to be a regular player in the state of Oklahoma for years to come, though, because I don't think they're staking their entire uh, recruiting presence in this state upon the outcome of David Stone's recruitment. Yeah, uh, this text says uh, Mel Tucker about to be fired next year after they go 6-6 six and six again. He just signed like a $95 million contract, I think, a year ago. And I don't know what the buyout number is attached to that, but normally when you have a uh, $95 million uh, deal, normally the buyout number is, uh, is, is pretty substantial, very substantial. Yeah, yeah and, and with that Michigan State talk, you know, it is interesting. They, they are trying to make inroads, uh, and I think – Maybe it is with David Stone in mind with, hey, man, if we really pay attention to this area, maybe we get more people that he knows, this, that, and the other. I, I totally get that. But, you know, we talk about OU season a lot, and, you know, yeah, we went six and seven. It was a, it was a terrible year by our standards, unacceptable in every, in every fashion. But Michigan State just went five and seven, and you can look at, okay, is this a Nebraska thing or an Oklahoma thing where every one was by, like, single digits uh, or a single score? It, it's just not the case. I mean – they got blown out by two touchdowns by Maryland. They get blown out by Ohio State, blown out by Michigan, blown out by Penn State. They got beat by eight by Indiana. 
I mean, it, like this isn't, you know, n- not all losses are created equal. This isn't a, man, if they just got to fine-tune some things. I mean, that was a – there were some bad losses uh, in there in Mel Tucker's first season. So, is he gone? No, probably not. But maybe some staff changes down the road that could affect recruiting or maybe just the optics of saying, hey, man, but like what's going on up there in Michigan State? Y'all aren't winning any games or even close to winning a lot of games. I think that could tip some things. All right, what's the latest via the transfer portal? We'll get into that next. Is OU trending nicely for a three-time All-ACC selection? We'll tell you coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. All right, final segment. Locked on with McComas Thune. Davidson is alongside with us as well. He'll be he'll be with me on the rush today from 3 to 6. Nick Jackson, still in the portal from the University of Virginia, three-time All-ACC selection. I believe the last two years he was a second-team All-ACC player. Uh, anything recently on the front of Nick Jackson and where OU stands, Parker Thune? No, and what people need to remember is there is not necessarily a timetable here at all because he's a grad transfer, and as a grad transfer, he doesn't have to be enrolled this spring. He doesn't have to be taking classes. He doesn't have to enroll until the fall. So, in all technicality, Nick Jackson can take basically as long as he wants to arrive at a decision. And it seems as though there are going to be some additional visits that are taken before he does arrive at a decision. But this is a guy that if you're a Sooner fan, you'd like to be able to add. Because anytime you can bring in somebody that's got three individual seasons of 100-plus tackles, and you can get him this late in the portal cycle... Uh, yes, that is a win. Here's an interesting tweet earlier today from Matt Brown, who uh, covers college football. Just got off the phone with folks involved in the first NIL deal with a church, or at least the first one that I know about. Kind of surprised we haven't seen more of this yet. An NIL deal with a church? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently some school has that going on right now. Or a particular player. That's very strange. Is there just, is there just like a separate section of the offering plate that's like... <laughs> Is it is it segmented? Does it look well, like one of those if paper that's plates? It, with and that's like, been going on for years in the South, so that's like, that's nothing new. Like 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 instead of the traditional offering plate, they send around one of those paper plates that has the sections in it for your sides. Auburn logos so on the run side. Into each other. Yeah, it's Auburn like, logo yeah. on the side, so you know which one to donate to. <laughs> Dang, sounds like Major Jesus with a cord whip in the temple kind of vibes here. <laughs> Uh, text line says, what position? If you're talking about Nick Jackson, I'm guessing you are. That's a linebacker. Linebacker out of Virginia. Um, some other national news and notes. Mel Kuyper, yeah, he just released his uh, one of his mock drafts earlier today. He says, quote, Stetson Bennett, to me, will probably end up being about a third-round draft choice. You going over or really? under that? Yeah. Ooh, I would take the under. I don't think he's going to be drafted on day two. Now, I think he's going to get drafted. I think he's an NFL football player. I, oh gosh. Listen, I don't claim to know as much as Mel, but third round for Stetson Bennett seems way high. Well, that'd be a good, yeah, especially if he were to go to like the, um, I don't know, if Chad Henney retires at the end of the year and he's the backup in Kansas City behind Patrick Mahomes. Like, that's where he's going to get drafted as a backup somewhere. And if he finds himself in the right spot, then maybe Stetson Bennett can hang around for a while. Because he is, he is a pretty good he's, – he's a really good player. He's not a pretty good player. He's a really good player. We saw that at Georgia. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, other... get some of the, you'll get some of the benefit from – you see it every year, whether it's, you know, coordinators being taken, coaches being taken. Or in the NFL, you get a guy that's completely overpaid 
by like the Raiders or somebody uh, that that wants that championship mindset in the room. The guy's just a winner. I mean, Stetson Bennett's gonna gonna get overdrafted simply because of that. It's gonna be man, well, you know what's going on down there in Georgia? The championship mindset. You got a couple of rings on your fingers. I mean, he's gonna get he's gonna get overdrafted because of that. Uh, hey guys, it's is Stetson Bennett the next Jalen Hurts? Well, like to our point, like Stetson no. Bennett's not going to be drafted no. as high as Jalen Hurts. Um, they're a different type of players, so I would say probably not. I, I actually I would say no on that. Um, congrats to Brian Kelly, by the way, guys. An audit has revealed LSU paid Brian Kelly an extra one million dollars this year. The school accidentally paid Brian Kelly's LLC and the coach personally from May to November. This resulted in double payments. I don't know how that happens, nice. but I don't know if he has to pay back the million dollars or if they're just going to take that out of uh, this year's earnings or what. But maybe they're just saying, oh, you won the West. We'll let you keep that million. No hard feelings, Maybe Brian coach. Kelly orchestrated all of that. Maybe that's why he made the move from Notre Dame to LSU. He was like, well, the average IQ level yeah. among the LSU administration is significantly lower than Notre Dame. Let me uh, let me throw this LLC in front of them and see if I can get them to pay me double. Daniel Parker put out a graphic that he's off to the NFL draft. Did, did I miss something? I thought that he was already decided that he, he was going to the draft. He doesn't have any eligibility okay. left, which goes back to my, the question I was asking at the beginning of the month. Why are players that have no eligibility left putting out draft declarations? Well, it's like, after what the is deadline. The alternative? It's after the deadline, too, right? Like a week after the NFL draft deadline. That's why it totally threw me off today. I'm like, did I miss something? What's going on here with uh, Daniel Parker? Reed Lindsey, uh, he's out of the program in the portal. He's going to be a, tr- a grad transfer student. Best of luck to him. And in case you did, in case you missed it, Danny Stutzman and Jaron Canick, they built a pretty nice snowman yesterday during their snow day. And then destroyed it. And then absolutely destroyed it, yes. All right, the rush is coming up next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Center fans.